All right, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Zone. This is episode 50, also known as the DPAP episode. And as always, this is the Professor Rick Del Santo, as you know, joined by Dan the Beast, the DVD freak, and JJ. What's up, guys? I like that little slogan you got there. You know, got to get that trending worldwide now. Hashtag DPAP. DPAP. Hmm. Start sending me my royalties. Tonight we're discussing Clash of the Champions uh, 18, January 21st, 1992, Topeka, Kansas, at the Kansas Expo Center. And 5,000, no, excuse me, 5,500, yeah, in attendance. Sorry, I just messed that up. And it's a setup for Super Brawl 2, the entire event. And it's going to be a glorious, glorious event. I like this. Um, completely yep. underrated event. Uh, very underrated period for World Championship Wrestling as well. This is one of the earliest ones after they left the National Wrestling Alliance as well. So This is uh, one of my favorite Clash of Champions for sure. Watching this, it's just like... Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about this, and they should, because this is a great event. You know, you had the attraction as the main event, and the co-main event, you had that pure wrestling, you know, for the purest. Mm-hmm. And you had a little bit of everything for this event, so I, I loved it. I'm looking back at it and looking at the lineup, and it was a, with the exception of a couple matches, this is a really stacked show. Uh, like the who's who of professional wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, Clash 18 was the first clash without Lex Luger, you know, actually, you know, due to him turning down his notice and, you know, turning in his notice, I should say, um, with WCW as he would depart for the WWF, as you would see a couple months later, he would appear for WrestleMania uh, 8. And, um, you know, this show still looks very good. I I like the show. Um, Loaded with tag team matches. And this was, like, right off the heels of Starcade, And the main event here was also a tag team match between a team of a unlikely duo. But I like this pairing. I wish they teamed up more. Uh, Sting and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat uh, taking out Rick Rude and the uh, 1990 PWI Rookie of the Year of uh, Stone Cold, or should I say Stunning, uh, Steve Austin. And, um, you know... I, I don't think it doesn't. I don't think it gets any better than this. And then you have the pre-main event with uh, Arn Anderson and uh, Bobby Eaton, which I kind of find weird because um, you know they won the uh, two out of three falls match um, for the tag belts, but it was off television, so. Yeah, um, I think Jim Ross made it. I, I love. I, I liked this. I liked it. I, there was a lot of things I didn't like about this thing. Uh, Clash of Champions. I remember on the way, um, when I was in the car, we got before we uh hit cord. I was like, ah, oh, I was focusing too much on the negative. PN News. I can't stand that guy. So and I'm glad. PN News. He was on. That guy should have been he, part of the main event, man. <laughs> and uh, isn't there a... There was, 
some negative things I didn't like about it, but you guys are right. Like, it was a pretty back card. Um, yeah, you guys changed my mind. I'm glad I picked this. There was a, there was a reason why I picked this. But I dangerous Alliance. Yes, exactly. There's yep. a lot of Dangerous Alliance stuff in here, man. During during that Dangerous Alliance match, Alliance match, Jim Ross makes note that the last three World Television Championship holders are part of the Dangerous Alliance at that present moment. So I thought that was very interesting that they, you know uh, Arn and Eaton, and I think if I remember correctly, Eaton won it from Arn at a Clash of the Champions uh, the previous year, and then. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a great series of matches as well. Let's break down the show. The opening match was Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, the Steiner brothers, uh, introduced by the world's most dangerous ring announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, taking on the big man Vader and Curtis Hughes. Uh, I think Vader and Hughes were a pretty good pairing. I, I didn't particularly care for the Mr. Hughes gimmick, but the uh, he was a hell of a wrestler. Yeah. Um uh, I, honestly, I, I think up to date, maybe this was uh, Curtis Hughes' best match to date. Because, I mean, whenever you see Curtis Hughes, he was either accompanying somebody or he was just there to like, do the job, you know, get the job done. And, you know, Vader, always looking awesome as always with that nice headgear with the Mastodon. Um, you know, him coming out with the entrance music. And, um, you know, WCW had you know pushed all four of these guys as you know having like an issue um but other than that um i I did like this match it was a lot of fun and you know i was surprised well not very surprised but i was very surprised to see vader bumping around like this you know like he took a lot of heavy bumps uh during this uh matchup and you know shows that he wasn't quite in the plans, you know, just yet as becoming, like, one of the big guys. I mean, obviously, he was still accompanied by Harley Race, um, you know, as Harley Race was still transitioning um, into the more uh, manager-type roles as he just uh, retired around probably, like, 90, 91, I want to say. It was 91 because we, re- we uh, reviewed a show that was late 1990, and I know that he made an appearance... Uh, in the AWA, right before it closed up, which is about ninety ninety one, against uh, Larry Zabisco for the AWA world title. And you know what? Something else about this match, too. I really love seeing matches like this where both teams just are just, like, throwing each other around. And, you know, you have the circumstances right here with, you know, big van. You know, all four of these guys are, you know, four big dominant dudes. So, right. you know, just them throwing around, you know, in a match like this, uh, you know, very back-and-forth type matchup here. They're still pretty hot off the heels of the uh, first uh, WCW Japan Super Show because they're referring to the Steiners match there against uh, Hiroshi Hase and Kunsuke Susake. They've referenced that several times. Uh, so the second Japan Super Show hasn't even happened yet. And it's just going to show you like what they were, their plans were, and they're still pretty much promoting them as... Uh, probably the strongest tag team in existence at that time period. And, you know, Vader doesn't sell like that for just anybody. So you know that he was going in there with a team that he respected very much and Rick and Scott Steiner. And, and yeah. you, know what I found, you know what I found very funny is, like, how the fuck was Mr. Hughes able to keep those sunglasses on top of his head when he was taking all those fucking bumps? 
That's a very clever question. That's very interesting. Is that is that why you're rocking the sunglasses tonight? Well, a little bit of homage here, but we're not going to get into the discussion about that. We're all still irrelevant here, you know. Danny Hughes. Danny Hughes. I like that. Is that my name now? Somewhere. Oh. And my smooth. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Absolutely. Uh, Rick, when I was watching this, I, I was like, holy shit, Vader totally respects the signers with the amount of uh, bumps he's taken, the way he sold mm-hmm. for Rick Steiner. Jesus Christ. Uh, it, oh. it was good. It was good to watch. It's a great match. Even uh, uh, Mr. Hughes. What is his name? Am I smooth, Mr. Hughes? That's what I know him as, Am I smooth. Um, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. And I was shocked that he was able to, to bump, like, get moved around like he did, too. It was a great match. There was a belly-to-belly off the top rope. Yeah. Vader uh, and Rick Dye was like, holy shit. Like, that made me legit let's say holy shit was, I loved it great match it's a good opener um yeah I can't complain about the point at all I mean the crowd was really into this this is your perfect opener yes and I've always said Vader is so fucking underrated uh, I think a lot of people just look at him for his WWF run whereas they should That's be looking at they should be That's looking pretty- at him here that's pretty sad because he made a huge career in Japan. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, he left the AWA as Baby Bull uh, Leon White and went over to Japan and became a huge star. And he came into NWA slash WCW with that uh, reputation from Japan. And um, Invader, I mean, in WWF, he really wasn't pushed the way that he probably should have. And what was he in there? Less than two years? Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, his. The match he's best known for is Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam. So, I mean, yeah, it's just like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a joke. But yeah. I, I wish he never would have went there, honestly. Absolutely. But, you know, money talks and WCW was doing some weird-ass things at that time period. So yeah. I, I, I will admit, I was excited to see Vader in WWF because I was, what, 12 years old at the time, I believe? Oh, 10 or, you know, I, was, I knew who he was. I knew he was that big monster from WCW. I was excited, but I, it, like you said, it, it flopped. They didn't use him right, and it's unfortunate. Right. Yeah, so there goes that. This means this, this whole match is very high impact, and it only went like nine minutes long, actually just over nine minutes, which I thought was pretty yeah. crazy. All the minute, all the matches here average at about ten minutes each. The majority of them. So there's only one match that actually goes over the ten minute mark in this entire two hour broadcast. It was a slight gripe I had. I felt the matches weren't long enough, but that's okay. Yeah, especially considering right. the amount the amount of talent that were on this show, it could have should have gone about three three hours. You know what I mean? I would have liked yes. to see this opening match go for about fifteen to twenty minutes. Well, there's a lot of things you could have cut from this show. Yeah, that you could have Vinny, just given Vinny to Vegas. other men. Yeah, like it's just hey, Vinny Vegas is awesome. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> this guy did Vinny Vegas screen time, eh? Apparently, this whole entire this roster is split 
50-50 for the show as to who likes Vinny Vegas and who doesn't. I, you know, I like how the commentary, too, is like, oh, you know what uh, Vinny Vegas' uh, favorite move is? The snake eyes. And it's like, well, I wonder fucking why. <laughs> hey, I love that. I, I love whatever. I, I love Vinny Vegas. All right, so what's, uh, what's going on after the first match? So after the first match, we have another tag team match. With uh, Tracy Smothers and the TaylorMade man taking on Brian Pillman. My question about this is, where was Steve Armstrong? He was injured. He was injured? He was injured? Yeah, he he was injured, but um, Terry was, you know, staying heel after leaving New York Foundation, you know, wearing a tuxedo and being given a terrible name, which at the (laughs) same time, you know, this is something that we've discussed before. Um, obviously there was some type of coin toss back in the day on who would play the Mr. Perfect role. I just feel like this is just a spinoff of the Mr. Perfect character of what maybe Terry Taylor would have became in some sort of way. Did you realize that his gimmick, his gimmicks did not get any better when it went to WCW? The computer, you know what I mean? Well, after being, after being called the red cock or the red rooster or whatever, you know, everything uh, downhill after that. Big red cock. <laughs> he had the fucking mohawk, with, which was dyed red. And he kept, yeah. you know, he kept like popping his head like this during the match. He's just like, like you know. <laughs> it really did ruin his career. Like Rick, Rick stated last week or the week before that it ruined his career, and that's a shame because, like you said, Rick, you know, Terry Taylor is an amazing wrestler. Absolutely is. And, and you know, something else about this, too, is uh, Tracy Smothers um, didn't have his U.S. Tag Team Championship with him, indicating maybe he lost it during a TV taping. Because he was one half of the U.S. Tag Team Champions at that time, so. Uh, That's probably about the time period where they started to phase him out, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because they were still considered the NWA uh, United States Tag Team titles. The NWA, uh, I mean, did I say that right? The NWA Tag Team titles, USA Tag Team titles. The WCW never officially actually had them. And I think that was a dispute as to why they ended up leaving entirely is because they kept referring to the world title as the WCW world title. not the, And it was actually still the NWA world title. Right. And... Um, um... Something else about this, too, is nothing against Pillman, but I just felt like at this time, it was really about the time where Pillman needed some re- some type of repackaging in terms of, like, outfit or something, because he was wearing those damn striped, you know, Bengals tights for, like, the past couple of years now, so I don't yeah. think WCW had Oof. any type of direction at that time until, you know, obviously the Dangerous Alliance was lit. And then they would form the Hollywood Blondes later on, um, which I think kind of elevated Pillman's career um, in a way. You know, nothing taken away from his singles career, but that really made him a good tag team competitor, even if it lasted about like a couple months. But you know, the the, the 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 pairing of like Pillman and Bagwell too just really doesn't sit well in my stomach because you know the, throughout this match too, you had like three. You know, good three workers out of the four. So, I I love 
Yeah. Good. I, I loved it. Um, you didn't like Pillman and Buff as a tag team, however, I did. I was eating this up like a little, like eight year old me was was yeah. loving this. Uh, good. Bagwell, I was always a fan of, of Bagwell, even what at seven years old, because the white meat baby face. Come on. So I was always a, a fan of Bagwell. I remember. I remember Bagwell and Tillman and being a fan of theirs. And like you said, with, with his Bengals trunk, I remember my, my father would always say, oh, you like the guy that wears the Bengals trunk? I'm like, yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals guy. I like him. He, he's good. So I, I get what you're saying, though. He probably he did need a a change in his gear. Right. But but those infamous trunks, yeah, that, that, that's just, you know, is, uh, it's his thing. That's what I always remembered him as, as a kid. I got older. I really like this match. I really like this match, and that's the period where I liked Bagwell the best was a babyface in his earliest days of WCW because yeah. I thought that he was actually, you know, whether he's teaming up with Too Cold or the Patriots, you know, I, I always thought he was pretty good. It wasn't until the buff gimmick came around that I started to dislike him. Really? Well, yeah, it, it was just, it was over the top and a little corny. And then after he broke his neck, he could not move nearly as good as he did back yeah. at this time period. That's sad, yeah. But, yeah. You know, well, you want to you want to talk about necks in this match. You know, Bagwell nearly screwed Smothers' uh, neck mm-hmm. up and, you know, overall looked kind of sloppy. But, I mean, overall, yeah. I mean, it was still a good match. Well, well you, the good news is you can now support Bagwell in his escort service. Uh, I think that's put to the side because he was in some sort of car wreck recently. So yeah, so what? I mean, you can get a crippled Bagwell, but did you guys see that promo that he cut online? He just looked like uh, he looked like he just got his ass whooped. Like his face yeah, that was, that was yeah. hard. Coming from like a buff fan, you know, like yeah, that was rough. You know, I got a the whole family. I told you guys, the whole, my whole family loves Buff. So, but uh, but yeah, he, he Buff did look really green in this match. Absolutely. I noticed, yeah, yeah. I know, I noticed that. Like, obviously, I didn't notice that as, as a kid. I'm, right, I'm a kid. But watching this as a, as a smart enough fan, it's mm-hmm. pretty clear he's pretty green, I and mean, he had only been in the business what. A year, Jim Ross had said? A couple oh. of years, actually, because he had actually wrestled for Global as the Handsome Stranger before this. So. Oh, yeah. With, uh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Um, yep. Scotty the Body, right? With Raven? Uh, Raven was there for a little while, yep. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember uh, Raven talking about that on, the, on, on his podcast. Yeah. Oh, wow. But yeah, good stuff. I, I like I like this match. I, I, I did. So. I, I like it. I really enjoy. Yeah. The next match, uh, Little Richard. I mean Johnny B. Bad uh, <laughs> defeated defeated Richard Morton in three minutes. It's supposed to be a light heavyweight championship match, and you know I found that kind of interesting. Uh, the weight limits that they. Uh, Johnny B. Bad just made the limit weighing in exactly the weight that it was with 220 or whatever, 230. 
yeah, Richard Morton, uh, Ricky Morton was wrestling for the world title just a couple years early against Flair. So, I mean, it's just, I found that bizarre. And uh, the winner gets to face, um, what's that guy's name? Jushin Liger, right? At Super Bowl, supposedly. I don't even think that fucking happened, to be honest with you. Oh, it, it ended up being a uh, Pillman uh, Liger. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because, um, yeah, because later on in the event, doesn't one of them get knocked out? Yeah, okay. Yeah. starting to come together. I watched this a couple of days ago, so I, and I don't have my notes that I had because my laptop died. But anyways, for a match that's only three minutes, I mean, Ricky Morton fucking go out there and wrestle for an hour or so, you know, and in this match, he fucking jobs to Mark Merrill for three, in three minutes. Right. Yeah. Um, and you, you really got to remember, too, this was like, I want to say this was towards the end of um, his heel run, as you know, he had broken away from Robert Gibson as he was recovering from injury. So they did this whole thing where they were like, hey, you know, let's split you guys up. You know, the infamous thing where, you know, you've been in a tag team for too long and they're like, hey, let's see what we could do with you guys when you're split up, you know, kind of like they did with Bubba and Devon back in 2002. And that's not the first time that the uh, Rock and Roll Express had actually uh, split up. If you watch this part, like Richard Morton, Ricky Morton turned heel in WCW, like probably like a few months earlier on the Clash of the Champions, um, when he started hanging around with like the York Foundation, and then Robert Gibson tried to come out. He he had a broken knee or whatever, and he ended up punching Robert Gibson out. But they had also feuded in Memphis for a little while in the late eighties as well. They uh, when they left the NWA and they had gone down to Memphis, and then suddenly. 1990 pops up and they're a tag team again in the NWA. So, <laughs> and so I thought that was really bizarre that you know, like these guys were just feuding a couple months ago in Memphis when I saw them pop up in the NWA again. But I think Robert Gibson. I think that they does Robert Gibson ever come back? I don't think that they end up having them come back. I think that's a period where I, I don't think they come back. I think they end up. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Smoke Mountain, if that serves me. Yeah, like that makes sense because. Probably, they, yeah. They um, would go up at like the 93 Survivor Series. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Now it's all coming together. Yeah, overall, this wasn't really that bad, but it was only three minutes, so it doesn't really make much of a difference. Well, there's a lot of these, there's a bunch of these matches like in the middle of the show that are about three minutes and don't really. I didn't, I didn't yeah. like the finish. I mean, you know, Morton takes yeah, that with a crossbody, but, you know, in a horrible botched banner. And, you know, you also got to remember this was around the time, you know, Ricky was portraying like a cheesy heel. Like he wasn't like your typical heel where, you know, everybody was against him. It was just like one of those awkward situations where you were like, you know, Ricky without Robert. Eh, I mean, I'm sure people got into it after a while, but it was still one of those circumstances where you can't see one without the other. And And that's, and that's um, And that's why they're still teaming together today at almost 70 years old. <laughs> you know, has anyone actually seen their modern matches? Or are they any good? I, I they wrestle for NWA Power or the NWA now, so I've seen them. They held the tag titles when uh, one of the they won them in the first season of the NWA Power, and I did see them probably about ten fifteen years ago work a local show here against the re uh, the Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Conjure. Oh. Yep. 
thought that was all. That wasn't that bad of a match. You know, that was quite. They're, they're still doing double drop kicks though. Freak. I I saw yep. a match there. I forgot who who there. It was recent, and they were still going. I was like, what the fuck? Like they're still doing. Yeah, Ricky Morton. Uh, Ricky Morton added the Canadian Destroyer to his repertoire. Holy it, shit! It, yeah, I really? saw, If you watch um, the Crockett wow. Cup, you know they wrestle. JJ, you'd probably be interested in, in the Crockett Cup. What uh, a year ago or so? A year I ago, probably. Think that was that was what they, I, that's what I saw. I think that was the, where they wrestled the Briscoes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That, that was, was a good. Match that was a good match. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I love the Briscoes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I used to be, I used to really, 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 really love Jingle Wani. And unfortunately, it's changed a lot. But, um, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that, that's why I watched that match. The Briscoes versus um, Ricky and Robbie. But what are they? I'm really high right now. I'm sorry. I'm space. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, it's all right. I'm really drunk, so it's all right. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of yeah. and I, I kind of buzz and I keep yawning like crazy. I'm so sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was the match I'm talking about that I had seen. Like, they're most recent. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, they, can still, yeah. they can still somewhat move, you know? So, oh. somewhat. Somewhat. Hey. Next match is JJ's favorite wrestler, PN News, taking on JJ's. <laughs> JJ's other favorite wrestler, Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one eight. just goes over five seconds longer than the previous match at three minutes and 25 seconds. Um, this is nothing. DDP started to get into his pro wrestling role. I was kind of surprised because, you know, I had known him as a manager since he was in the AWA, then came into WCW managing the Freebirds. And all of a sudden, one day I see him coming out as a wrestler. It was pretty bizarre, but he got his ass whooped here. They even say in the match, I think Jim Ross said that he had failed uh, miserably as a manager, so he wanted to take things into his own hands and jump in the ring himself. <laughs> of course, that wouldn't well, come into effect for another couple of years when he'd win the title in WCW. And I have a picture, an autographed picture of BDP when he won the title, thanks to Dan the Beast. Thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks to Dan the Beast, I got a Jushin Thunder Liger. He was referenced earlier. Autograph, so that's cool. I should be getting something tomorrow from Dan the Beast in the mail, as well as uh, I'll be getting another package. So those will be unboxed for Collector's Corner. It's going to be really hard to not open those boxes. And Dan the Beast himself got himself an autograph 8x10 of not only the Rock and Roll Express, but the Steiner Brothers, also referenced in the show tonight. That's awesome. That's fucking dope. Designers, that's cool. That's fucking cool. I, uh, I, I don't think I'll be getting my autograph by tomorrow, unfortunately. I wanted to unbox that for Collector's Corner, but fuck me. doesn't look like it's happening. So, Dude, I'm going to... I don't know what the hell it is, but um, I can't wait to see this because I'm probably going to fucking... I, I've heard that it's supposed to be pretty insane. It's, uh, I think it's the most valuable thing I could possibly own. You said so, that about whoa. your Vince, you said that about your Vince McMahon box set. Oh, this is way, way more valuable than that, so. What the fuck? I'm very, I can't. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, well, it's, it's also, it's also P, PSA graded, 
and everything. So I even referenced it on the website, and it's legit. You know, they have a record for it, uh, for when they actually graded it. So it's legit. Um, it's just the shipping process is kind of a bitch right now. But How long do you well, think it's going to be before you get it? I don't know. It still says it's, it's a... in pre- Well, I got it, what, Thursday night? Whenever I texted you guys? Yeah. And it's that just like... It's, so it's, it's just sitting in the warehouse ready to go. Did they create Yeah, the basically. Yeah, I was hoping to do it tonight. It might be, it might be in the fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, sorting center somewhere. It, it's but. in limbo is what it is. So I was really, really hoping for tomorrow, but it's not happening. So I don't know. Can you tell me, on. is this a former WWF or WCW superstar? Um, or both? I don't want to give it away. Yeah, it's uh, it, I told a, I told son of a bitch. I told Dan it was signed in '98, and it's all it's yeah. a yeah. It it's okay. It's a clip out of a magazine that was autographed. So Whoa. it doesn't give you much, but you know, Dan he had his guesses. Is it so. Bill Lapter? No. <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave Meltzer. I wish I I want a Meltzer autograph, but that's not worth that much. So you love Meltzer that much, dude. Uh, I want to I want to try to get in touch with him because I have two books of his that I want to send him to actually have signed as well because I'm a huge fan of Meltzer. The most um, Meltzer, bro, bro. I'm just playing. You know I gotta, bro. Um, this next batch is possibly the weirdest match of the entire evening. Cactus Jack Wait. takes on Wait. Big Van Hammer. What happened? Did I miss something? Again? We didn't even talk about the DDP PN news batch. Fuck hmm. DDP. Yeah, yeah we it was, didn't even talk about it was, that. It, it, it was three minutes and 25 seconds. What needs to be But I love about? DDP's outfit. All right, all right, go for it. Oh, yeah, all right, go for it. Go well, for that's it. where we disagree, because I cannot stand DDP for his wrestling career, at least. I love no, his outfit. I don't, I don't agree with you, uh, yeah, person, I DVD person. Uh, I, it was, I, I, I don't mind his uh, career. If you've read his uh, autobiography, you have a whole new respect for him, too. It's really interesting. He's, a, he's an interesting sure. human being. Well, he started out very late, so I respect him for that. I think he got he broke into the business at 35, so I respect that. But yeah. I was just never a fan of him. I think he did more outside, you know, with Jake Roberts and Scott Hall. And really, he's a great, yeah, he's a great, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. I was just never a fan of him as a wrestler. I'll put it that way. I think Good he's great. God. He's a cool dude. <laughs> I, I, in my, in my notes, I have uh, I love Paige's black and pink Cheetah print outfit. It looks great. You can definitely, However, you can, you can definitely tell the time period it is, right? You can definitely tell the time period with the outfit. The early 90s. Was it yeah. the early 90s? Early 90s, late 1992. Yep. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love his outfit. Um, what WrestleMania was he driving out? You, Dan, you might Yeah, WrestleMania six. He was driving oh, the the, the, the hard catalog, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. 
JJ, did you have more notes you want to discuss, buddy? Oh, other than I hate PN News and I'm glad Rick Rude beat the shit out of him. Back <laughs> I don't know. Did, that, that. did that really did happen? You know, uh, from what I read in my research, yes. Uh, PN News, who was it that, uh, oh my God. It was somebody, someone's podcast who worked backstage in WCW. I think it was Tony Schiavone. It might have been. Okay, and that makes sense. I, right. I, I'm almost positive it's Tony Schiavone, and he said right. that PN News was stealing from people's bags, and Rick Bruce found out. Rick Bruce what was he stealing? What was he I stealing? Belongings. Like, I don't know, like your, your watch, your... Your, yeah, like personal items back then. Like, what would you have? Your what? Your wallet, your watch, your uh, you know what? Your what, what did they all wear? The fanny pack? You know, some men probably <laughs> Zub- you know, Zubaz, men probably, Zubaz pants. You know. Yeah, men probably wore jewelry or had their cologne. You know. But I also heard that Rick Rude was no one to fuck with in real life either. Yep, exactly. Man, I've heard that. I've heard that a lot actually. Yeah. I, uh, I love Rick Rude. I'm actually very interested because when he died, he was actually in the process of a return to wrestling. So hold on, is it a Rick Rude autograph? No. Fuck no. All right. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Rick Rude fan, and it's one of those things where I just I really wish we could have seen what his return would have looked like. Because he was actually very um, invested in a return to the WWF when he died. So it's um, it's one of those unknowns that kind of bothers me. I really wish we could have seen what he had to offer. The dude was always in shape, too. That's another yeah. thing. So I think that he, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It would it have been a weird time period for him to be coming back as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily think he would have fit in that era of WWE at that time. You know, consider, you know, considering going towards the uh, direction of the Attitude Era, um, maybe he would have played a role in DX again. Maybe managing, you know, trying to fill the void again. As you know, when he left WWF, you know, he appeared on WWE and WCW that same night. Obviously, WWE was, you know, pre-taped back at the day, but, um, you know, where his role would have lied at that time, um, I, I don't think it would have suited well in WWE, maybe a WCW comeback, if anything, especially with the amount of, um, you know, convalesce home wrestlers that they had at that time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know. I would have loved yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, the Attitude Era, I am one of the few people that doesn't really like the Attitude Era all that much. Yeah, I'm not but, necessarily a fan. I liked it back then, but as a grown-up and an adult, I'm not necessarily a fan of it these days. So. It, uh, it really gets old quick. But, yeah, I, th- I think so, too. But I don't think he would have fit in because it wasn't your average heel and face, whereas I think he is just one of the greatest heels. I, I love Rick Rude. But yeah. maybe um, maybe it's for the best that he didn't return. I hate mm-hmm. to say that, 
but I really do. You know, um, I'd rather remember him for what he was. But right. as big of a fan as I am for Rick Rude, I'm just curious as to what was really planned for him. I think he would have just got lost in the fold, unfortunately, because they had a clear start at that time. But, you know, it, it's still just kind of an interest for me of where they were going to take the Rick Rude character. Right. Um, what did you think of his WCW run in the early 90s around this time period? I loved it. I absolutely thought it was tremendous. One of the weird parts is I thought they that was really weird is that they teamed him up with Jake Roberts, you know, at one point, which is, you know, just in 1988, they were feuding over Cheryl Roberts. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, um, well, it's also one of those things where WCW, you. Yeah. they might like to forget the continuity of WWF. You know, they're their own company. So they're like, oh, that never happened. But Jake that's, Roberts that's and what, Rick Rude. That's what WWF was good for, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jake Roberts is my favorite golden era wrestler. <laughs> And, you know, I just don't, I think they work better as a feud, you know, yeah. it's, they are great. And you know, it's just, Rick Rude's WCW run, he was great, but he never quite got that spotlight that he deserved. Well, it's just, excuse me. Let me, let's put it this way, his WCW career was good, but it was short-lived. Because yeah. wanted this be the same year that he would suffer that back injury? 92, 93. Yeah. Right. Yep. In Japan? Yeah, in Japan against... Was he against Sting? Was that the yeah. match? I believe, yeah. 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 We ready to move on past this PN News shit? Uh, yeah. I, I'm this tired is a, of that yo baby bullshit. This yo is baby. a three-minute... This is a three-minute match, and we spent the most time talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> this match, I think, is... I, who, yeah, who was going to talk? Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 you just yeah, I was going to say, like... <laughs> no, I was going to say, like... I, I didn't hear it th- during the duration of this match. Maybe it was because of, like, the volume I had set on the TV. But I guess, like, during these times, PN's music would play throughout the match. Kind of like New Jack did in ECW, which I kind of find I fucking weird. I don't think it was during this match because I don't remember that during this particular match. But, uh, I know it did on like during against like jobbers and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, let's uh, go on to the next match here, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Cactus Jack defeated Heavy Metal Van Hammer. Why is Van Hammer? Why are they involved in such a? Why are they investing in such a huge feud for these for that guy? Like, uh, I have no idea. It was a falls count anywhere match, and they literally went anywhere. They ended up fighting him with the pig pen outside or whatever, and it was a ranch. Oh uh, yeah, whatever. So it was a ranch. All right. So um, some random fat cowboy comes out of nowhere, come to find out it's Abdul the Butcher. You know. I uh. <laughs> I was horrified with the uh, Mick Foley uh, or Cactus Jack. His bump with uh, he was going for he was off the, off the top rope 
and he just completely missed one of the worst botches imaginable. Oh, he was going uh, for the was Somerset that when he was going for the sun, the sunset flip, and he just yeah like, sunset went flip, over and him. he just and then <laughs> Jr. He's like, oh, he's trying to sell it the best he could, but yeah. that was horrifying <laughs> on the cement because they pulled he the landed, mat up. He landed flat on his back, and I'm just like, and the worst part is. He just gets up and kind of like looks around, like he's like, "Oh shit!" Like dazed, you know what I mean? Yeah, it takes, and it takes him a while to pry himself off that concrete. And it's actually kind of sad to see that because we all know he's in pretty bad shape. So it's just yeah. like it's stuff like that. I love Mick Foley. I appreciate and this him. Is, you got to think that also this is before he went completely fucking crazy, starting to do that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is probably about a good four or five years prior to him falling off the top of a cage. You know what I mean? Or going yeah. through a, a fucking cage. Like, and here, he's still pretty decent shape, and it might be crazy, like, for back then, but shit would not get real for a number of years. This guy. I, Sorry. I think for, I think for uh, me, this... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was say, but I, I, I was going to say, like, you know, um, you know, Mick Foley taking bumps like these... I mean, obviously, we would see what would happen to him, you know, later on in terms of, like, you know, his body breaking down. But, you know, it was still fun to watch. Uh-huh. I think this, this match, it felt out of place for me. Yeah. Um, Anytime Van Hammer's on the screen, it's out of place. Well, <laughs> <laughs> from a stipulation standpoint, this felt out of place. Shit. Um, it's just like I, uh, yeah, I yeah. hate to admit right. this. I, I well, I do remember this match as it happened. Yeah. Uh, um, I remember when I was, went back a couple years ago watching all the clashes. It brought back memories, and I remember this match as it happened. And I remember rooting for the guy with the guitar. And uh, again, I was an eight-year-old kid. I didn't know any better. Did he come uh, out with a flying V? Yeah, he came out with a flying V, and it had sparks coming out of it. And yep. I remember catching it. I was at my grandparents' house. Didn't clashes come on Wednesdays at nine thirty? Uh, right? They'd come out. They'd it'd be either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursdays. They would come on. Uh, you know, it was like one of those weeknights like that. Was... I was, well, for some reason, I was at my grandparents' house real late. That's really late for me, you know. And I remember watching this particular match and maybe going to bed after that. But, yeah, I remember watching this and, like, the next day at being at, I seriously remember this shit. And the next day, like, being at school, thinking of, like, that Van Hammer dude. Like, wow, that dude was cool. You know, he came out with a guitar. Obviously, I didn't know any better since I was eight years old how horrible a wrestler he is. But, you know, WCW, they were trying to do, like, market the children. They they were doing something right. Because it caught on with me. Uh, I was an eight-year-old kid. So, yeah. I, I, I'm admitting I'm, I was a uh, Van Hammer fan as a child. But uh, definitely not as, as, as an adult. So, that's like didn't he just job. go? Didn't he just go to prison recently? Uh, I heard something about that. He like, got arrested recently, probably in the last six months. 
Was it guns? Or oh, I'd really have to hang on. Let me see if I don't stolen guitars. <laughs> stolen guitars. Well, um, it was for ripping off Sammy Hagar, right? <laughs> hang on, I'll find it. What? Oh, I remember. Well, didn't Brian Clark, what was the Adam Bomb, didn't he recently go to jail for guns or drugs or some shit, too? Yeah, but I think, I think he was released recently because I know oh, he was in, All right, in uh, January 26, 2020, he got arrested for a hit and run in a DUI. So. Uh, Van Hammer, you know, getting drunk, playing guitar behind the wheel, listening to Van Halen. <laughs> it is held on a hundred twenty-five thousand bond with the option of house arrest. Currently, as of this moment, well, as of this printing, which I don't know when it was, he was currently held in uh, custody. That's crazy. Well, I'll write a drive fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> let's write him a letter, dude. I'll write him a letter. Yeah, I know yeah let's write him a letter. <laughs> Maybe we can pay to have him on the podcast. Not for him, I'll tell him I'll, I'll put ten bucks into his commissary. Yeah, they pay by what? Are they pay by the hour. So yeah, let's do it. JJ, like, how much does how much does ramen cost in there for one? Pack? Uh, it's four dollars. Four dollars a pack for ramen. So, um, the fact that you know that the fact that you know that scares me. Have you been in jail? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've had friends that are in prison. So, okay. Uh, so, unfortunately, I mean, that, that, that doesn't speak to who I am, but unfortunately, I, I, I do have friends right. that right. were in, um, or, or are in prison, and it's, it's four or five dollars for, uh, well, last, uh, it was about eight years ago, last I, I, I knew about, so uh, like- Eight for a dollar at, at fucking. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, but when you go wait, even and when you go visit someone at a prison, everything's like jacked up, like ridiculous. Like, again, uh, ramen. I remember seeing like a bag of ramen was what, like probably four, five bucks. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. That's why, like, when you're in prison, like the ramen noodles and like the the cupcakes, that that stuff's like money. Coffee. Are, are we talking about nails here or what? Like <laughs> during this match, uh, who is it? Is it Mick Foley? I'm trying to remember. One Mick of them Foley. picks Foley up and Ab- Abdullah picks up Missy Hine, throws her in a bucket of water. <laughs> oh my god! Her luck. I <laughs> look the whole time she's because it's Nick Patrick. And the whole time she's on the mic, she's like, do something, do something. I yeah, was I like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, By the way, Nick, Nick Patrick's mullet if they're in this town period. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to get your all thoughts on uh, Abdullah the Butcher because he's a very controversial figure. Hmm. Is that the I question? Think he's- yeah, yeah, like, he, what are your thoughts oh, on him? Yeah, okay, he's a piece um, of shit. If he, know, if he knowingly gave people hepatitis C, I think he's a piece of shit. That's also that's like, all. I, you know, you're referring to the Hannibal story, correct? Damien, yeah. whatever's 
Yeah, that's and, very sad. You're the animal. Yeah, that's a very sad story. Guy's a nice guy, and he wrestled him in a match. And story was that uh, he was gonna let Abdullah blade him, and you know he kept pricking him with the with the blade, and he ended up giving him hepatitis. And I think uh, Hannibal nowadays is uh, clear of all that stuff because he went through treatments for many many years. Uh, but you know, I remember when he made the announcement that he was actually clear. It's kind of fucked up, but he's, there's also other reasons why he's a big, gigantic piece of shit as well. I've heard uh, many other stories. You know, people showed up, they offered him money to be in a documentary or do a shoot interview, and he, you know, he would tell them one price. He shows up, and then he demands like another amount, like an additional fee of like however many thousands of dollars on top of that shit. So there's just all sorts of stupid shit like that, where he makes lots of demands to people that don't necessarily have it just to be in, you know uh, be interviewed for a show or, or documentary or whatever well he also however he's yeah. very influential in the business for his style as well yeah, yeah. didn't he get electrocuted in that one cage in WCW <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, that was one of the first that against- things I watched was that against Sting, right? Correct. It was um like a multi man. Was it, was, it, was it Foley? I can't. Was remember. that I the was that the Foley, House of Horrors House of Horrors match or something? I believe was that so, a that battle battle bowl or something. I don't. I'm trying to was, remember exactly. It was the first match of the event. It might have been battle bowl or a Halloween Havoc. I'm not too right. sure, but it. It was some like like you said, a house of horrors might have been something like that. And I think yeah. it might have been McFoley that pulled that lever and Yes. Yeah, yep. Abdullah the Butcher got shocked he was fucking <laughs> like, can't deny can't deny his uh, influence on the business though, uh, other than being just a retard, you know, outside of Should I not have said that word? I'm sorry. Retard. Well, Welcome. I don't know if you've ever seen his video on YouTube where he shows you how to blade. That's a very interesting video. But obviously, he doesn't know how to blade because his forehead looks like... Yeah, he knows how. That's just 40 years of doing it over and over. Yeah. A lot of those old school guys have that ribbing in their, in their foreheads because they've done it three, four hundred times. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like... Every it worth one of his it? match... Right, every one of his matches, he did that. I'm sorry, Keith. But, you know, every one of his matches against, like, other people, like, superstars, you know, were like that. Especially his career in, like, fucking Puerto Rico or World Class or wherever. He's just, like, everything was very bloody. I mean, he knows how to blade because, um, you know, you go up and down, not side to side. But he does a pretty good um, video on actually how he bladed for so long. But I think Tommy Dreamer did it best. You go in a circle. You basically put the blade in and just do a little circle. No scarring. So. Oh. Also, so, you know, you do it somewhat lightly while you're sweating profusely. And that it just makes it look worse than it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually slicing. So this way you're just basically scratching the surface and then it starts bleeding a little bit. Can't believe we're discussing blading on the show, but 
that's funny. You know, but you're right because the scientifics of that when you, when your blood is pumping that much, that's why my my dad explained that to me. And I was like, hey, when your blood is your heart rate, your blood is gonna come out your, your head. He explained it to me scientifically because obviously he's in the medical field. So yeah, I always thought that was interesting. And, and the sweat and the sweat makes it worse as well. And I watched a really fucking I watched a really fucking good match last night. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, Posted to Facebook, Terry Funk and Harley Race, and that was a nice fucking little bloodbath with uh, Harley Race bleeding like crazy. So, I, was I, uh, yeah. I I think blood is necessary when necessary. Yep. Yeah. It adds it to because the because these days it doesn't happen. Uh, no. Last time I think I saw it was Cody and Dustin, and prior to that it was like what Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes, I think. Well, um, Cody and Dustin was a fucking masterpiece. So that was that was, was just that was probably the bloodiest match I've seen in probably decades. So probably yeah, decade, two decades. Probably. I mean, I think uh, I'm a big believer in bleeding. Yeah, you know, like it's it's kind of a dying art form, but Absolutely. you know you have to be careful with it because you don't want to end up like Eddie Guerrero at Judgment Day 2004. Where you just hit an artery and you lose one third of your blood, or like um, Bill Afonso, he, you know, he got hit with that's... a frying pan though, didn't he? And slice himself open. It wasn't even that. It was like a, I think it was a baking sheet that I mean, he, got hit hit the, he got. He got hit like on the point, like you know, uh, right on the at the right part of his head, at the right edge of the the, oh. the, the pan, and it just fucking, and then it just next thing you know, it just. Hardway juice them, and he was a busted open hardcore. I think. Yeah. I, know. Oh I, think I think blading makes sense for the story. I don't. Th- I don't like unnecessary violence. Violence should always have a point, and you know, blading should only be there to kind of progress the story, not yeah. just excessive violence, just for the hell of it. Like you said, so, it's a dying art. It's a dying art. Like uh, so is professional wrestling in a way, without all the flippy dippy shit. You know, uh, we don't see enough. Yeah. Of, I don't think. I don't see, think we see enough of it though uh, in today's sport. Well, that's kind of how AEW is. You know, in AEW you see old school tactics like blading, but then a lot of the times yeah. you see the flippity dippity shit. So I don't even know how to feel about AEW half the time. I don't know. I'm kind of mixed like on it. it. I like it, but like I said, there's a lot of kinks to be working out. Obviously, Mimosa Mayhem was uh, definitely something that needs to be worked. That yeah, was- this whole that whole All Out 2020 was a disaster. So, yeah. It's not just for them. It's for professional wrestling in general. It's been a disaster. Yeah, I mean, in WWE, we haven't had blading since 2008. You know, that's, that's just gone. So... I mean, you had a little bit of behind-the-scenes blading in 2009. Mm-hmm. But other than that, nowadays well, you just have hardway bleeding, which is yeah. dangerous. But that's their kind of way of, I guess, rationalizing it for advertisers. They're a public trading company, so they can't just be cutting themselves on TV, you know? Oh, Rock cut open... Randy Orton the hard way that one day with the elbow. It was the end of a interview. That- yeah, like it, like I said, that's kind of Vince's way of rationalizing. It. Oh, let's just have an elbow. 
which is way more dangerous. You have concussions to look at. It's just like blading is very safe, whereas Hardway, it's just, it's very dangerous. So it's just, it's fucking retarded. But whatever, that's Vince's mindset at this point, because they're a public trading company. You obviously can't say, yeah, we're openly blading. But at the same time, if he wants blood, he's just going to tell Brock, hey, why don't you elbow Randy Orton or Cena? You know, it's just... Do it the hard way, pal. <laughs> yeah, do it the hard way, which is so much more dangerous than blading it's is, but whatever. It's it was a thick ending, shit. It was a thick ending with that match, though. All right, so... Anyway, we still got four more matches to discuss, and this match right here uh, just seemed lost in the shuffle, to be honest. Should have been on WCW Saturday Night or the main event or some syndicated TV show that they had at the time. Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes defeated Brad Armstrong and Big Josh. And it just seemed like um, the crowd was lost for this match. It just seemed like it was there was no excitement. The crowd just did not give two shits about this match whatsoever. Considering Brad Armstrong was one of those dudes that had like one of the greatest drop kicks and was one of the most under. In my eyes, the most underrated professional wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, but always got the crowd going. Uh, crowd just did not seem into this whatsoever. Well, you have to also look at this came off of the False Count Anywhere match. So that's obviously going to get a huge pop. Because yeah. it's something very different for the time. So this match was kind of booked as the popcorn, you know, I'm going to go take a shit. I'm going to go get popcorn. You know, this is the, the match that was just kind of to alleviate the reaction for the next match, unfortunately. You know, this was a bathroom break um, match, unfortunately. The next, the next match is also yeah. a quick, is a quick yeah. piss match, and uh, Vinny Vega's taking on my friend, because he says it right here, to my friend. Tommy Rich. So. <laughs> it's awesome. So, uh, Kevin Nash uh, debuting as Vinny Vegas. He had already been Oz, I believe, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. And he had been one of the Master Blasters. So, this is his third gimmick, I believe, in WCW. Uh, defeating former NWA World Champion uh, Tommy Rich, I know that they made reference to that at some point during the match that he was former interview world champion, and they always mention that, but he was still fucking treated like they, when he first came back into the NWA in I think 1990, he was you know hyped up as former NWA world champion, so he was seemed like they was building him up and then quickly just became a jobber, and that former NWA world champion thing just kind of went out the window. Even though they only held it for a couple of days, but uh, they did mention it here that he unseated the world champion Harley Race in 1981, but he got his ass handed to him in 56 seconds. <laughs> now he looked like he was actually as part of the York Foundation in this, but he was doing the role of a babyface against uh, Vinny Vegas. Which um, I thought was pretty bizarre. I, I, I wouldn't say so because, like, the ring announcer did. Announced Tommy Rich as Thomas Rich, so um, is, I'm pretty sure this... both guys. I'm pretty sure both guys played heels um, in this okay. match, but you know, Vinny was more of the uh, guy to get over uh, during this uh, segment of the match. 
And, you know, you got the commentary basically just hyping up like, oh, what's uh, Vinny Vegas's uh, favorite finisher or favorite maneuver? Snake eyes. I wonder what the snake eyes is. Like, was that Jesse, Ven- Jesse Ventura that said that? Or did they bring back Jesse Ventura at that time period for this match? They did. Yep. Yeah. Was this his debut? It was this his debut, was as, debut. Vinny, as Vinny Vegas. Was, yeah. yeah, Jesse Ventura's debut, yeah. That, that, that was cool. I thought that was fucking awesome. I got that written in my notes. Yeah, so there's really nothing much to say about this other than that, you know. uh, Hey, it's Benny Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Him being like an Italian mobster type guy from Vegas was pretty hilarious, but yeah. No, really, honestly, you want to know what I thought about uh, this? Um, What's a baseball player in a hot air balloon? Batter up. Ah. <laughs> I, I think this I match I think this match got a negative one star by Meltzer, which is uh, oh, pretty I, I take his star ratings pretty seriously. So that's yeah, uh, I um I don't know if that's true. Um shit. I I don't have it I don't have it accessible. But I, I, I looked it up earlier. I always look at star ratings. So it was definitely in the negative. I think it was negative one. Yeah. Oh, really? Negative um, one? Damn. Um, that's, that's bad. No, that's, no, that's, that's bad. Pretty, yeah, that's and, and I, I do bad. trust. I said, I know I said fuck him. Well, I only said that because um, that's what Bruce Richard always says. Whatever ah. they. Yeah, that's the only reason why I said it. But no, I, I, I trust Dave Meltzer's. Um, uh, can you guys Can you guys hear me still? You guys hear yeah. Me? Yep. We yeah. Just can't I, I want to. Yeah, that's all right because I put you on hold. Okay. So according, this is a tweet that went out from Wrestling Days that somebody sent me. According to Dave Meltzer, best friends versus Santana Ortiz, parking lot brawl was better than Sting oh, versus Flair. Listen, Sting versus Flair, Clash of the Champions, Undertaker versus uh, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. WrestleMania 26, Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania 10. Hey, hey, hey. Hold up, hold Uh up. And and the Hardys versus Dudley's versus Edge and Christian at WrestleMania 17, which I just find all of this just a bunch of malarkey. It's either... I can't get you guys back on. What the fuck? It's all a bunch of malarkey. Is it um, taken the wrong way, or is has Meltzer lost his fucking mind, or... Does he really throw that shit in better than that? Is he saying okay. better, better, than, better than the Sting and uh, Flair from Clash of the Champions that launched Sting's fucking main event career? I mean, come on. I, um... This is, uh, this is bullshit. I saw that tweet. I know exactly what you're... That tweet. But... I didn't see the parking lot brawl, so I can't really say. But I just I, honestly uh, can't. I can't imagine like that. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I love Santana at, and Ortiz. But. I looked at your. I, I think I messaged you guys the other day about the All Out star mm-hmm. ratings. It's a crack of shit. I hate it All Out. I and hate it. Gave, oh my god, he gave um, um, the Young Bucks and Luchasaurus and fucking Jungle Boy a four and a quarter. Which I thought that was an absolute, that was absolutely ludicrous. I think, um, you know, I defend Meltzer 
all I can. I really do. But with AEW, for the first time ever I'm saying this, I think there is some bias there. And I hate to say that because I really respect Bouncer. But and what do you think the bias is for? Do you think it's because he's uh I know he's a huge Bucks fan. I know he has Yeah, well has, they got the Mount Yeah. Maybe it's they, drop maybe it's one of those it's one of those so do you also well, think that it's also I know he's also a huge Omega fan as well. And Omega would end up in his five star ratings for matches every fucking year. I so. think it's one of those things where the young bucks obviously their finisher's the Meltzer driver, so yeah. he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to disrespect them, yeah. right? So he'll give them maybe. You know, I hate to say this because I love Meltzer, but you know maybe he is biased because they named their finisher the Meltzer driver. It's possible, dude, but it's a little bit. I just find it bizarre yeah. as well. And it's Very just like nice. all. All out this year was fucking garbage. I hated I that. It, I honestly, I honestly thought it was a snooze fest. Uh, to be honest, it was just uh, you know the match. The, some of the matches were not terrible. Uh, the tag team title match I thought was pretty decent, uh, but it was just like for a match of that magnitude with no crowd, it should have lost ten minutes because it went a half an hour. Yeah, uh, most of mayhem should have just never fucking happened because it's a fucking dipshit match. I hate gimmick matches. Like <laughs> I hate well, comedic dip matches. So, um, I think uh, Brian Alvarez put it best with the tag team title match. Something that AEW does is obviously the hot tag should be somewhere near the finish. Uh-huh. Um, I think. Like I said, Alvarez put it best, where the hot tag happens, but then they continue wrestling halfway through the match. And that is exactly how I felt with the tag team title match. It's just like, AEW, they don't understand match pacing. Mm -hmm. I completely get that. Personal opinion, it's a bunch of indie marks running a company. You got a huge, yeah. a fucking money mark throwing in the money. And you got a bunch of guys just be like, okay, we're big indie stars or big on an international level, not necessarily in the United States. We're making this huge company in the United States. So we're going to hire all our indie buddies that we worked with for years on the indies. But at the same time, it's like, it's a fresh product and it's different and it's exciting a lot of the time. There's something definitely to walk up away saying that was a pretty good show i watched their show and it's definitely you know they were going i don't know if they still are, are they still going up there against nxt every night because i haven't seen uh well with uh sports I coming s- back they kind of they kind of change a, air dates and everything but what's a, sport? what's a sport well like basketball and football i i hate sports personally Huh? But I know, like, AEW aired on a Saturday one night. Yeah. What? Um, yeah, like la- a couple weeks back. Really? So they ended up, What my personal opinion is, I could always walk away saying that that show was better than NXT every week, to be honest with you. Uh, I love NXT, but, you know, since the move to USA, it's kind of going downhill a little bit. Uh, they're leading into the 
advertisers a little too much. Uh, they're taking away some of the best talent and putting them up on Raw and SmackDown and not doing shit with them. So it's just, uh, you know, I, I could walk away every week saying that AEW was the better show the majority of the time. Really? Well, that's my personal opinion, brother. Well, I can't. I don't watch either, so I can't really comment. Well, the thing with that, go ahead. You gotta get on the gotta get on the ball, man. (laughs) I know. I'm just so big. I know, man. I know. I think uh, the thing with NXT. I haven't watched NXT since they moved to Wednesdays. But uh, I think the thing for me is my biggest wrestling pet peeve is celebrity involvement because it makes a joke of the business. Uh So when they had Adam Cole and that fucking football faggot, um, (laughs) I um, that pissed me off a little bit. And person, yeah. All right, say all right. So. Pat um, McPhee, yeah. we'll put it that way. Whatever his name is. I have to be honest with you. I thought that guy moved better than anticipated. I thought he put on a bit. I did not like the idea as well, because I hate celebrity involvement as well. Unless it's fucking Jay Leno. So, um, you know, I think, that, <laughs> I think that it was actually quite an entertaining match, considering. And I don't like the celebrities involved in professional wrestling either. But my point is, did NXT ever have celebrity involvement before AEW? Nope. Exactly. You mean prior so, to Pat McAfee is what you're trying to say. Yeah. And it's just like, that's a Vince move to me. So yeah. it's just NXT is becoming a Vince McMahon product. I, I completely agree with that uh, since they moved to when, uh, USA. Absolutely. That's yeah. Legit. That's a thought. And you say that because I used to legit watch NXT a, a lot. And Even, the other thing I is, a lot, a lot of shit though. But when when they were a one hour program, it was also better. They weren't, and they were. Mm-hmm. You know, they, could, they could once it became two hours, yeah. it's like yeah. they have to try to put on top notch matches every single week for two hours. And I like, don't get me wrong, I could sit there, cause, but, like, save those longer time periods, like, two, three hours for a fucking special event once a month or something like that, like a pay-per-view once a month. And yeah. I'll tell stop, you what. Stop watching. That's pretty much when I stop. Basically, I still watch it. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, I still pretty much watch it, but, you know. I'll tell you what. Uh, one of the best live experiences I've had was I was third row for NXT Brooklyn 4. And that was awesome. So to see it in its current state on the USA Network, and we all know the only reason it's on USA was to compete with AEW. It's just, it's becoming money. It's become a money show. And it's sad to see that. Because Triple H... You know, you can say what you want about him, but um, he knows how to run a he knows how to run NXT. And I just feel like it's become more about the corporate money 
and it's become more Vince because I can't recall any celebrity involvement in NXT before Pat McPhee. So cool. it's sad to see that because my biggest pet peeve is celebrity involvement. Well, oh, well only celebrity involvement. It was uh, if you, it was Corey. Uh, he was involved in an angle. Was he with, really? Yes, yes, he was. This was maybe four or five years ago, back when Baron Corbin was still in NXT, and uh, they had a little thing. I remember that, and I thought that was cool because, you know, I mean, I as a teenager when I was like fourteen, not big, at that age. Now I'm thirty-six. Yeah, I'm not a Slipknot fan anymore. However, uh, I still thought it was. The fact you admitted to being a Slipknot fan to begin with, my man. <laughs> I, I agree. No, I, I, I was young at that. No, I know. I know what you mean, man. We all have acts we used to like back in the day. Yeah. So you know what? You um, know what happened? We have yet to s- discuss the last two matches of Clash of Champions. Do that. <laughs> so, well, yeah, the co- we got way off topic talking about NXT and the uh, that other guy and the AEWs. But uh, dude, let's talk. Let's talk about the co-main event because this match was awesome. I love six-man tag match. I love six-man tags, uh, and it only went nine minutes. And look at the amount of talent. Um, look, the amount of talent on the show, with the exception of. Uh, Van Hammer and PN News. Um, this is a great <laughs> show. This is a stacked fucking show, dude. I'm not the world's biggest uh, Kevin Nash fan, but the guy at one point ended up drawing a shit ton of money. So, you know what I mean? Like, this is just the amount of talent in this fucking show, in this match alone. Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, and uh, Ron Simmons take on. Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry the Cruncher, Zabisco. Like, the Cruncher <laughs> was like, wowzers, the Cruncher. Uh, this is, I think, uh, Zabisco was gearing up for retiring pretty soon. Uh, probably in the next year, I think, right? Um, was he part of the tag team champions at this time? Am I mistaken? Uh, I believe he might have been in with the the dangerous alliance or might yeah out. I believe he was dangerous alliance around this time and then maybe just go retired around that. Yeah, I know and that he, yeah. Or ninety five. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not Arne, sure. Arne, I, Anderson, Arne Anderson uh retired in ninety five. So this I know he retired, retired before. Yeah, so he might have been ninety two, ninety three. I think he just was at that point because I remember, if you remember correctly, he ended up coming back as a uh, television commentator around the Nitro period mm-hmm. era. Oh yeah, I think yeah, he yeah. actually hosted uh, Worldwide, like this one of the syndicated shows too, for a while. I remember WCW Worldwide? Oh my god, was that the was that the yep. show with a spinning ring? Or was uh, that was that the? Oh god, that could have been any one of them because I think they did a bunch of recordings in. Universal Studios, and they had the ring on a platform that would like spin during the introduction and some shit. Goddamn, it's amazing somebody didn't get dizzy and pass out wrestling. But yeah, they were on like they use that for like uh, 
I think uh, that might have been for NWA Pro and the main event and uh, maybe worldwide too. I know was, they used that that uh, setup for the uh, a lot of the syndicated shows so, back in the day. It'd be cool if they bought that back and and maybe had a match while it was spinning. Can you imagine that? I think Jeff Hardy had said something about that. Well, I saw him say something like, oh, man, I wish they brought back that spin ring with WCWs. And I'm playing with Mickey Mouse. I can do my thing. Yeah. I remember he said that. Like, interview. Oh, I think <laughs> that at this time period, Barry Lyndon was basically babyface heel, babyface heel, going back and forth every few months, it seemed like. And here he looked like he was about to uh, start getting out of shape. His face was a little pudgier. If you if you're looking at it, he comes out in like a he comes out in like a leather biker a leather biker jacket. And uh, if I remember correctly, he has his uh, hand taped up. He's ready to go, but he's punching like crazy with that taped up hand. Yeah, um, Dan, I think that, that yep, this was uh basically the uh, the taped up hand is what. Ended up costing uh, the Dangerous Alliance the uh, victory here as uh, Eaton and Wyndham would wind up in the ring and Wyndham clocks Eaton with his taped up fist for the victory. And, you know, I, I this was ridiculously good. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Everyone here mm-hmm. was killing it. Yeah. It's hard to believe that they were able to put together such a good match, you know, given the amount of time that they had. And, you know... Well, look the at speed the at which I mean, there's you have four legends in this fucking match. I mean, one one of the kids was it's still I wouldn't say he was a rookie, but he definitely wasn't net legend status at the point in Dustin Rhodes. But I mean, Barry Windham and Ron Simmons, you know, I mean, Ron Simmons was still coming into his own as a singles wrestler at that time period as well. But I think that this show shows that 1992 is a terribly underrated year for uh, WCW. Oh, yeah. Oh and, yeah, very. And uh, Rick, I wanted to correct you on the uh, Arn Anderson retiring because Anderson wanted to retire till '96. Oh, I'm sorry, it was off. No, you're good because <laughs> you know it popped in my mind because I remember Arn Anderson came out and he announced his retirement on Nitro, and then the NWO came out the next week doing a parody, and you had um, you had Sean Waltman. Yeah. yeah, Sean Waltman uh, oh. imitated Ric Flair, and he had, like, a big nose with tears going down his rubber nose. I think, if I remember correctly, Nash was making fun of Arn's mother or something like that, because Arn's mother, like, drinking beer. Yeah, I think he was making fun of his mother. I think... And I think Arn literally got pissed off because his mother had like some sort of drinking problem or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that I he was legitimately it. pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember my, my liver spot, my dog spot, and I, uh, <laughs> I, remember I thought it was yeah. thought it was fucking. Even watching it now, I thought it was hilarious. But then listening to Arn Anderson's side of it, I was. His wife was angry about it. Oh, yeah. It made me feel upset, but, you know, poor Arn. But I I, I thought it was fucking hilarious. They did that. Whatever. We had a great match. Fucking A. 
a lot of fun. Yeah. This the uh, the main event I thought was fucking killer as well. Sting and uh, Steamboat took on stunning Steve Austin and Rick Rude. It's really hard to watch Steve Austin with blonde hair back in the day because it's like he doesn't even look the same. Yeah, he doesn't. He wears like loud tights, you know, like loud neon tights. It's fucking hilarious. Um, you know, um, Steve Austin, he has a lot of the mannerisms that he would, you know, continue on with Stone Cold. So it's odd to see him with these little tights and the long blonde hair. And, um, but yeah, it, it's odd to see stunning Steve Austin. It really is. It's it's <laughs> odd to bring it back. It's odd to bring it back. Because I remember when he was in, like, USWA at the time period. And I remember him suddenly jumping to WCW. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, he's wearing, wow. like, some weird, like, black and, like, pink tights or something like that. <laughs> it was just really well, bizarre. And then, you know, he, he had a pretty... What's that, buddy? Uh, well, what was he... What did he dress like in WA? Like what was he, pre- he wrestled. He dressed the same. You know what I mean? Because he basically, when he came over to WCW, he was wearing the same gear, had the same gimmick. You know what I mean? And then uh, I don't think it changed until he joined the Hollywood Blondes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was pretty I, much I, stunning Steve, the same stunning Steve for a long time until uh, that's when his gear changed to the Hollywood Blondes, and you know he grew like a beard. Uh, for a while, like almost like a good, he got a little hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I, I always uh, a big fan of Sunny Steve or Stone Cold. Yeah, better. yeah I remember just, again being a, a kid, not being smart enough with business, obviously, and just always admiring Sunny Steve Austin. There's something about him that stuck out to me like, man, if you cool. Yeah. And yeah. Hollywood Bond, I was a huge fan of that as, as a kid. And I remember they would do this yeah. type of thing. Yeah, I was a huge fan of that shit. And yeah, and that looked weird. Yeah, he became the biggest wrestler in the world at one point. And it's really upsetting because Eric Bischoff did not see the same thing that Vince McMahon, you know, saw. It just took one freak accident uh, in the in a, in the middle of an angle to, to skyrocket his career for him to become the biggest professional wrestler ever. Um, what do you think uh, would have happened if Bischoff wouldn't have lost him? <laughs> would he have gotten lost in the shuffle? Would he have been jobbing like Al Green on Saturday night until 2001? Oh. I mean, let's come on now. There's probably an alternate universe out there. <laughs> right, right. It's like, who who would have had that spot? You know what I mean? Uh, it's just, it's really hard to think about, like, what do you think would have happened provided Bischoff kept him? I think that if if you think about it as well, he had done all he could do in WCW. He had won every single title, and Bischoff just did not want to give him the world title. He did not want to work with Hogan. Or, I mean, Hogan at the time denies it now, but at that time period it was uh, Hogan denying or claiming they did not want to work with him, and that's why he ended up you know, not uh, ever winning the winning the world title. It's but you know on Austin's podcast, uh, uh, what's his face? Hogan denied that. So, well, 
let me put it this way. I mean, I mean, this is just my opinion, but um, if Bischoff would have kept Austin around, let alone if Austin would have kept his hair around, I don't (laughs) think Austin would have been a main event competitor. I think he just would have been floating around the mid card. But also, I think he also would have probably been a member of the Horsemen. That's very Ooh, possible. Yeah. That is very possible to think about because, you know, Pillman was at one point as well. So. Oh. Well, my question is, do you think the WWE would be in business to this day if Stone Cold or Stun you know, Steve Austin would have been in WCW still? Well, I'm yeah, be because you, you, you got to think of it this way. You really got to think of it this way. I mean, when Steve Austin came in, the Stone Cold character was, yes, that was practically Stone Cold's creation. That wasn't Vince McMahon's creation. And Vince tend to strive more on superstars that he builds from his ground up. So, obviously, he had guys like The Rock, and then later he would have, you know, Triple H come in within, like, mid-95, and you see how drastically his character developed. So, and then you also had guys around that time like Mick Foley. Um... But, yeah, I, I think that would have been great. And I think around that time, I don't think there would have been a dispute over maybe Brett leaving for WCW. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of what if. What if. There's a lot of what ifs in professional wrestling. There's a lot of what ifs. And, and I've thought I mean, of it so many. And I'm sure you guys have, too. And yeah. I have. It, like I said, I I think there's alternate universes out there where Rick Rude came back, and you know, like yeah, not not to go off in the weeds again, but or you know, I think there's you know somewhere out there. Oh, who knows? But um, Dan, how are you? You feeling uh Dan Dan RB? Four twenty right now, feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know something like during the whole, I, I I like this match and I like the beginning because don't get me wrong, I always loved a good lock up between Austin and Steamboat because I think they had some of the best matches during their WCW tenure, and mm-hmm. I think that's what made Austin a better competitor. You know, despite maybe guys like. Uh, Chris Adams back in the USWA. But um, I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, you know, they, they keep fighting after the match. And, you know, you got uh, Rick Rude giving Steamboat a rude awakening. Uh, Sting misses the Stinger Splash. So Rude gives Steamboat a second rude awakening. And then you got Steamboat, you know, he sells it perfectly. And then Rude starts whipping him with a belt, you know, the old country way. You know, <laughs> whipping them with the belt and everything. Um, I love it. Is it just uh, me? Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, this was a good match, but, it, you know, it didn't quite do it for me on a level of the previous match just because of the fact that the last match was extremely fast, especially for six right. guys who aren't as big and as agile. Um you know, with the with the capability of keeping up a fast paced match for a long period of time. But um 
you know, the stuff after the match was better than the match itself, which wasn't extremely structured, I would say. Um, make no mistake that this was really good. It just wasn't what I was expected. And the heat was strong. Sting and Steve both switching. Um, and made, you know, like Jesse Ventura, you know, properly angry. And there was a clean finish, which I like. Because I always like it when there's a clean finish. Yeah. And... You know, well, the, the, the way and the way Steamboat sold the Rude Awakening, I, I thought it was perfect. So. Was it really a clean finish, though? Uh, I think it was the yes, wrong and... guy pinning the wrong guy, if I'm not. Oh. Uh, right? Oh. Freak. Oh. <laughs> I mean,. Because um, obviously you had Jesse Ventura saying yeah. that this was a dirty finish, and I don't know, I kind of agree. You, you had one person this? holding the other person down. Oh yes, yes, yeah, you're right. That's uh, there's extra. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, to me, this was a dirty finish. Well, well I think it was a way for like. You know, like the babyface superstars to get the, you know, the heap of doing heel tactics to get the fans over. So, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. What else do we get? We guys got anything else to say? Because if not. Uh... Um, I had one more point. I had one point to say. Is it just me, or did the selling after this match kind of get lazy? I don't I think so. I, I think the po- I thought it was a quite enjoyable match, to be honest with you. I'm talking about after the match. It it oh, felt like the selling kind of got a little lazy. Like they weren't really selling the punches. They were just right. kind of figuring out. Oh, what are we going to do next? We're just going to kind of. I don't know. It just yeah. felt like the selling was a little lazy after the patch. For the post-match brawl. Yeah. Um, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I can't remember. I watched this two days ago. Wrote my notes down a couple days ago. Make sure watch some time. Who's the, I'm happy I picked this, though. I really am. Yeah, I'm glad that you picked it too because yeah. it's a good memory to 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 go back and enjoy uh, DVD for really? what happened with the free. I don't free? know. Okay, there you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm here. Yeah. I think he, I his see phone died. Your phone died. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rowdy dog. I love it. You guys are too funny. Uh, it's not episode, it's episode fifty. For real? For episode Damn. 50, yes. This is episode 50 That's tonight. Yeah, exactly. What are we doing for a, for 75 and 100? Like, um, <laughs> we're all going to go get it. I can't That's make that joke here. No, That's serious. That's a lot of hard work. Oh, man. Yeah, well, guess what? We got a lot more coming up as well. We got a lot of guests coming up as well. Collector's Corner returns tomorrow for the first time in, what, three weeks, Dan? Two weeks? About uh, two weeks. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So we're all going to have some nice stuff to share. 
Uh, Wednesday night, I'm having Don Kincaid from the Kincaid Files and Stoning the Pot on. Great guy, very important guy to the Northeast independent wrestling scene. And I don't know what the hell's going on for the following week, so if anybody wants to come up with content, get in touch. Well, we're still, I mean, me and DVD Freak are still continuing on with the uh, the 2002 pay-per-view rundown, so sometime this What's week that? or next week, we should be reviewing um, the 2002 King of the Ring, yep. and then going forward with that. Um I got a couple other things that I want to show off. Um, you know, I got a lot of things coming in the mail between last week and this week. And then, um, as you know, Rick, and a couple of you guys, well, I'm pretty sure all you guys know, uh, some of the guests that I have lined up that I have talked to that have agreed to come on to the show. But, you know, we just have to set up the date. And uh, it's practically confirmed. So once we get the date, we'll be all set. All right, guys. Danny, why don't you give out the information where people could find you? So, you can find me on Facebook at Danny Bryant. You can find me on Instagram at D underscore BNC187. And you can find me at YouTube and Twitter at DanTheBeast94. So, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Especially if you're watching my channel and you're not subscribed. What's that say, JJ? What is that? What are you doing? Hit that button. <laughs> JJ, JJ, where can we? Where can the listeners find you? Uh, you find me anywhere but Facebook. Most active on Snapchat. Double J S I double N Z. Freak. The DVD Freak on YouTube and the Wrestling DVD um, Room on Facebook. And the period duty freak on Instagram because some asshole stole my username. So that's about it. I'm not big on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Rick Del Santo. And of course, subscribe, like, share, harass your friends to like, share, and subscribe to the Pro Wrestle Zone podcast. Lots of good stuff coming up this week. Have a good night, bye, folks. And of course, everybody, D A. Wait, oh shit, I fucked up. It's D-P-A-P. D-P-A-P. That's all, folks.